All right, listeners, welcome back to Third World Ballers. We're back this week with me and just CZ. How you doing? Hey, CZ. It's been a minute since we had our own one. It's kind of awkward. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't, I lost touch with you. Well, you see, this is what happens. I call up Josh and I said, hey, can we go to a party? (laughs) I told him I have the tickets to Smash Disco. They're rolling out the red carpets for me. See you there in five. Holy shit, man. We were having a good, good laugh at some funny ass shit. So for the listeners, if you want a good laugh, it's just a, well, it's a tragic but very funny story of somebody that we knew back in the day. Um, so if you're a subscriber to Amazon, go watch LA Inc. Season 7, Episode 1 at about the, uh, let me break it down for the listeners because I know it. Break it uh, the, the half hour mark, um, you're going to get some funny ass content. You're going to say, you know what, after you watch, you're going to be like, hey, let's go to a party. And, hey, uh, who is this guy? I want to know about him. Holy shit. I want shit, them to tell, me, to tell, tell a, them about me. Honestly, watching that video was a trip down memory lane with that guy. Especially those photos. We have the, for the listeners. Oh, yeah. For the listeners, if you watch, you'll actually see what Steven, a uh, reoccurring guest on this show, looks like. He's he's, you know, he's out of parties. He, he had the drugs in his pocket. The other guy had the beer in his backpack. They were good to go. And uh, he knew the bouncer, so they got right in. So They got right in the smash disco. go. <laughs> They said, Jeez. "Sir, your bloody beetroots is ready." <laughs> they you're are mean, ready. You're me, you're and locked and loaded ready. for you. They're here for you. They came just to spin a set for you, sir. Would you like to hear Sandstorm? <laughs> I got a great selection, <laughs> sir. I have this pretty rave girl over here, <laughs> sir. Are you looking for Molly, dude? Man, I heard, we should, I heard that you were looking. We, we got to do an episode where we just break down those those parties that were going on in. Uh, Montebello and uh, the surrounding cities back in when we were in high school because it's, it's crazy that like people don't think of Los Angeles uh, compared to those towns specifically or those cities yeah. but yeah they were, par- I, they were party cities dude for, oh, yeah. I mean for they the youth crowd at that history. time yeah I mean I don't I don't really like I mean, obviously I'm not in high school anymore but I don't really hear of those parties like especially now with social media even if I mean I guess that's underage shit huh we don't, I don't know anything that goes on in high school so True it's all text messaging it's all social networking through but, like high school but back in the like, day like classmates. back in the day it was a, such a thing for like photo booths at those events like it was a that was That's right there was no like people didn't have iPhones and good phones and shit you know so no one could share their own photos and they used to yeah. have designated photo booths for them i could probably go in my i don't know it was like photo bucket or something and dig up some, some oh some phone. tasty pics oh god some cringy pics dude i'm going to find one i want to find one making my crazy tasty pics for us <laughs> and the listeners jeez though but yeah no but seriously i mean you i mean I feel like a lot of that crowd is gone, too, because a lot of them, I mean, think about it. Like, when we were going to those parties, too, mm-hmm. the cops would are, were heavily involved. Like, they'd raid almost every single one of them. Sometimes, like, like backyard parties? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes oh, you're, bring out you're, you're talking backyard parties. I'm talking, like, underage bullshit oh, $10 oh, clubs like the, okay 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 but I the see. backyard parties too i mean there was all there was i feel like there was one every weekend i'm sure you know, honestly dude back we didn't invent back, we didn't invent backyard still. parties yeah they're probably still going on honestly yeah. it's just like i mean but there was like i don't think the involvement of of the police in that oh realm, for sure at dude. least i must Not be so, so annoying for the, a cop to is, just pull up to the, one of those things and be like god i just oh, have to get course. kids running away like you're not gonna bust anybody and if you do like He's going to be some slobbering, gross young teenager. Like, uh, 
Sir, cease and desist with the tongue trajectories into the mouth of the woman. But seriously, I mean, that's what's crazy. It's like you would see more of a heavy influence with these backyard parties than you would with these sort of underground clubs and shit. Because, like, they would go on nonchalantly, you know, taking in underage kids and shit. Yeah. um, And taking in whoever, you know, like the bouncers knew them. They would let them right in. (laughs) They were cool kids. They were part of the cool kids club. I knew the bouncers let me right in. Yeah, I mean that's why I'm a certified I, member. That's why I always hung out with that dude because he just knew how to get into the parties, man. I, where I wasn't invited, he'd fucking get right in. He knew the he knew the bouncer. He always had the drugs in his pocket. He was good to go. But you know who also had the drugs in his pocket who? at all times? Takashi Six Nine, Matthew McConaughey, my boy Matthew McConaughey, and Takashi. Oh yeah, damn two. Two uh, long-haired boys. Two uh, long-haired boys. Yeah. Two grisly long-haired boys. <laughs> yeah. So I think we should get into the base of what we're gonna dive into for let's, this episode. Uh, let's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you got some breaking news with Takashi, let's. Um. Get you know, first. I got. I got a. This just in from the Takashi Six Nine news. Um. So yeah, I think he's actually gonna get off. He's not gonna. His sentencing doesn't happen till next year, so he's still spending this whole year in jail. But he basically ratted on his homeboys, and we they're go. gonna like let him walk with the house arrest, I believe. And uh, yeah, what a bitch! His uh, I, I was listening to his <laughs> I was listening to his baby mama. Uh, she she was on a Vlad TV interview, I think, like last week or something. And uh, they were asking uh-huh. her if she was uh, concerned for her life because you know she's he's ratting on gang like essentially gang members too you know like gang members know other gang yeah he's members. gonna have to go on witness protection he so is yeah for how when he's they said that like how are you gonna hide this guy how how are you <laughs> fuck are you gonna hide this guy <laughs> he's gonna make a song the second he steps out of jail i like, mean what are they gonna do he's gonna have to shave his head like what he has he's covered he literally has 69 Six nine tattoos tattooed on him. Yeah, so honestly, we, I don't even know if there is a way to do that. How do you put someone like, like this? Yeah, in witness protection. I don't know, but I think that's what's going to go on with him. But basically, yeah, he ratted on. Basically, he he ratted on somebody he told to commit the crime that he's being charged for. Basically, so that's why I feel like he, that's like a real big big bitch move what? as a rat. Yeah. He, so he's like the he, boss guy, basically. Setting yeah, up these he's setting hit orders. Yeah, yeah. Ratting on the guy who's supposed to commit the order that he is saying to mm-hmm. do. Yep. And yet he's walking. He's yeah. walking away. Yeah, yeah. So that's why a lot of the rappers are kind of chastising him and being like, "Man, dog, like you just fucking straight up crumble. That's some bitch shit." So. He knows it. He's a bitch. I mean, dude, like when the pressure's on, he folded, you know? So really speaks to Takashi's character. He's fucking 20, what is he, 23, 24 or some shit? Dude, that doesn't excuse it, man. Look at Nas. Nas was 19 when he recorded Illmatic. (laughs) And he fucking knew knew how to handle it. What I mean is that, well, did Nas go to prison for ratting on people? Uh, No. That's what I mean. In prison, it's oh, okay, a yeah, yeah. total different circumstance. Like at his True. age, I'm saying, like, all right. Of course, he would fucking do that. He's like, yeah. I got my whole fucking life ahead of me. Hell no, I'm not going to fucking toil away here. And I'm not, you're not like Trey get Wayne, out yeah. any way I could. Yeah, so he's pleading guilty to all that. The thing shit. is, he's not planning it very well because I he mean, he did a terrible Jesus job. Christ. I mean, his career, dude. 
So I was I was thinking about this actually too because in a couple, in a few months it's going to be the one year anniversary of uh, this show, and we started one of our episodes. I don't know if it was the one that actually premiered or the one that we practiced, but we started that episode talking about six nine, and that was sort of when he was getting his like you know big push and he was starting to make way. Like that's when I was he was all up on my shit. You know, like every week I felt like it was Takashi doing something new and. Look how short lived that was. I mean, obviously he had some some sort of <laughs> mini career to get him to that level of where we were recognizing him. But I mean, look, dude, <laughs> it's not even it wasn't even been a year since like exactly he made his big no, splash and he fucking crumbled true. so quick. He did it like I guess a lot, I mean, that, but not really. You know, I, re- I I when I was listening to the last uh, when you and Joel were talking about like Kanye and the sort of like music that exists now and stuff uh-huh. like. To me, like, it's not, like, they're not creating culture. It's, like, the music of the culture that is, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they like to think of themselves as innovators and as creators. But it's, no. like, you're just exploiting the markets that, that is already there. It's not like you're doing anything different. Yeah, they're not know? pushing and the culture I, or setting a standard of music for in any means. Yeah. No, no, no. So it's so, it's so easily forgettable, you know? Because yeah. Because there's they, a million other guys they, doing they, making that sound to make you feel the same exact way and not elicit any sort of creativity and, and actual the music emotion. of the the music of the culture will never exist more than like a day because that's mm-hmm. what all of culture now is. You know, it's so fucking rapid. Yeah, God, dude, I saw this video but, of, of fucking Little Pump uh, hanging out with Riley Reed, and he's like smoking it. He has like a blunt in his toes, and he's like. She's like smoking it out of his toes, and he's just like, <laughs> like he literally has like a fucking little kid laugh. Oh. And I was just like, dude, this guy is covered in diamonds. He's in a big ass house. Like, what the fuck is going on? But yeah, I mean, I just wanted to give the listeners a little update. Um, kind of keep it in the crime realm since we're gonna break it down for a true detective. Well, once the Kashi's out, I'm gonna fucking try and find him and say hey want to go to a party <laughs> he'll he'll definitely get you and he's definitely cool with the bouncers you know he's a little party kid he'll he'll get you in he knows everybody he's a little party kid but anyways um, we were uh, we're digressing a little bit 10 minutes in um yeah we really did want to just get into some true detective because the season yeah is about to come crime, to wrap some, so what are your thoughts season? we've been talking about it a little bit how are you liking this season so yeah i think we talked about a little bit in previous episodes, but I'm liking this new season a lot. And it's so fucking different from the first season. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm like starting it again, especially in not only tone, but also like colors too. Like everything that um, is in the first season is just like very gray and sort of dead and like uh, very like dull tones. But and this season, everything seems a lot brighter for some reason. And, like, yeah, I, don't, I think that's probably due to brightness. Definitely. And that might be due to the fact that, like, what's his name? Kerry Fukunawa or something. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? The director of the season first one? season? Uh, he, um, because he directed the entire first season, I'm sure that, like, that helped in creating a much wider sort of. Um, sort of cohesion in terms of like what he wanted exactly from the look of it, you know? Is this and one not directed? Is this one directed by different directors this season? 
Yeah, this season is the, so. The, the first two episodes were actually directed oh. by um, the guy who did Blue Ruin and Green Room. Interesting. Um, and, uh, what the fuck is his name? I'll, I'll look him up right now. But he's a really I like his stuff a lot. So I was really excited to find out <clears throat> that he did those two ep- those first two episodes, which is great because they act like a you know like a film. Jeremy Solner is his name, and. Uh, the guy who directed the first season is Kerry Joji Fukunaga. That's his name. Okay. What else did he um, do? Did he do anything else? That, that's the guy who did the um, Sin Nombre film. Mm, really? I see. The, wow. Really? Yeah. And um, also the one love with that movie. Uh, Idris Elba on Netflix. Excuse me. It's DJ Idris Elba now, bro. Sorry, DJ with DJ, DJ Idrisalba. Yes, with DJ Idrisalba. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's really good too. I forget the name of it. I love Sin Nombre. That's like Beast one of, that's of one Nation. Of that's what it is. Oh, I, I liked that movie too. Hey, from what I remember, I saw it a long time ago. That's the one with the. He definitely has a specific look to his stuff. He does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, his his hue of color choice is coming to my eyes right now as I'm thinking of right? Sin Nombre and the first season of True Detective. Which I, that one was my so favorite for Jeremy's, a long time. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, of course, definitely. But Jer- I mean, Jeremy Solner is had directed those first two episodes, mm. uh, which are I, I think they're they're really good. And then over the course, they've changed directors, but the the lead writer Nick Pizzolatto, he's also done uh, directed some of the episodes as well. So mm. it's Did been they- interesting to see like this sort of like, trade between people, but theme or tone throughout for did, sure did they do different directors for season two was it or was it just wonder i think they they most likely did i okay. wouldn't doubt it because i mean i was gonna say season three so with the different like sections in time that it goes through i feel like this is a good season where you can explore different directors and their different you know uh perspectives on those mm-hmm. ti- those timelines totally and i think that's that's what makes it so interesting and intriguing because like say for instance the jeremy solner episodes will have such a different feel to them like they feel a lot more um Mm -hmm. uh like clouded with uh tension and sort of like um suspensefulness and you know it's like he treats them like a thriller and yeah i mean they kind of are you know but the symbology and iconography that is in this lap is in season three isn't the same as season one I noticed like the it's a lot more toned down in terms of the occultishness and yeah, that's sort what, of like that's what uh, drew me in so much from season one it was the cultish the cult part of it I love all that occult shit definitely especially and when it's all satanic too like when they find uh I forget the, the first term. body yeah like the first the, body it's in that little ritualistic uh yeah pose. And it's got the crown with the antlers yeah. on her head, and that was so um, dope. It's she has like this. She has a spiral on her back, and mm-hmm. you know, there's those little uh, twig sort of sculptures that are laid around her and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very ritualistic. I mean, it's a great. It really like when you start watching this first season, and as you watch the third one, it really ties into each other. And I'm sure for viewers, like so, I noticed seen, you're where we're kind of glazing over season. Yeah, there is a season two. Sorry, though. sorry. <laughs> Did you enjoy I know, that? But season? It's just like 
I haven't seen the second season. I saw half of it. Oh, I, I need. I want to finish it. I need to finish it. Honestly, um, from what I remember, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's a bit forgettable in comparison to these other two, for sure. Definitely. Um, but I, and I, I mean, Vince. There's a it cool seems scene like where the theme, you know. Yeah. Wait. What? What's the theme? Like maybe he's going odds, like or every other one might connect to each other or something. Oh or, well. Spoiler alert. Uh, this one and the season, the season three and season one are actually connected. So for the listeners that haven't seen, there is a nice little Easter egg. For the listeners, there the will be episode. many spoilers throughout. So well, just to let you know. Okay. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Because the first season has been out for what? I mean, well, let's try not to spoil three, the season huh? three at least, because that's still premiering. You know. Okay. Like, it's, okay. it's still on You're TV. Right. Yeah. All right. Season one, we'll we'll go through. You know, it's all been done. I mean, we the best one of the best scenes in TV ever is when Matthew McConaughey is raiding that biker's hideout. Like oh, that definitely. was the best. That I think people have tried to echo that sort of same. Uh, tension throughout their own television shows in terms of doing the one shot but also doing a very lengthy sort of mm-hmm. maze-like uh, labyrinthian yeah. struggle that they have to get through you know like fucking Daredevil does it with their fucking hallway scene that they got famous for in their first season and then like many shows have tried to like reenact that sort of high level tension I think because Dude, of that. how iconic that scene is now. <laughs> you just have no idea like, where I, I it's going it to take you. I look it up on YouTube yeah. just to watch it. I must have watched it like 20 times when it first came out. Because I had never seen anything so like, oh, like you said, that level of tension. They're in the mm-hmm. middle. They're literally in the fucking middle of the shit through that whole time and he's just dr- to dragging around this fucking skinhead dude around he's a skinhead right or he's just like a racist biker yeah, or dude. like a biker like a aryan brother yeah like and he's dragging him around while sneaking around while still trying to cat fools and then makes that great getaway with woody harrelson it is pretty fucked up that he they did basically start an entire war between like black people and the cops like in the end you know <laughs> that is true like, huh Everyone, everyone <laughs> dies in the house, and every time I watch the scene, Matthew McConaughey is leaving, and all of these people are running into this battle with the cops with like their fucking guns and all. Oh you know, yeah, because they're like, gonna, shit. they're gonna, they're actually not at the biker gang. They're robbing a house, right? Yes, they're yes. robbing a house in a black neighborhood. Oh exactly. yeah, exactly. And so it's the it's and the neighborhood and that's shooting at them. Yeah, four white guys robbing these this black neighborhood or this like ghetto if you want to put it that way and basically because of that the cops end up coming and then start this whole (laughs) war it's pretty fucked up like it's (laughs) it's crazy and i think it's just funny that like they don't really answer a lot of that stuff but it's just i think what it's mainly about is sort of like the 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 damages of choices that people make and the sort of trauma that they have to live with because they don't know how their future is going to play out with those choices that they've made. And I think it's interesting that to watch uh, as a viewer because as you're watching it, they flip between time, right? And Season three. You, you, well, both seasons. I mean, season oh, one true. and season yeah. three do they the both, same thing. Right, they, right. And... I think that there's a this element of like you as the viewer know that the future holds 
this mystery because of the fact that like they're, they're giving around, all the clues. Yeah. yeah. But these characters have no idea what's going to happen. So watching them trying to figure it out is so emotional and like intense for them because they're going to get the shit kicked out of them and ha- again have to live with the like damages that they're causing to their own families and to themselves. Because yeah. like no one makes it out alive in these in these uh, seasons. You yes. know, like everyone is affected in yeah. some way. So I mean, speaking of that, I'm just wondering where they're going to take Mahershala Ali's family um, in this season finale mm-hmm. that's coming up. I mean, because uh, again, we were asking. I asked you, do you did you know? Did they say what happens to his wife? Did you look? So I don't know, but I was under the impression I was under she the impression s- that she had died from natural causes um, or something. From natural causes. Okay. And that's what like is kind of like the I don't know, because I, I gave you my theory about what I think is going to happen. And I fucking Marshall is such a good actor. Like I love Dude, the so old good. characters. They're yeah. so good and like <laughs> steven dorf's character really fucking grew on me too for a second i was like this guy's kind of sketch i don't know about this dude i didn't realize that guy was the evil dude from blade, blade yeah yeah <laughs> i told my mom that today and she's oh, like, that's what? so funny yeah he's in a <laughs> he's so young in that that's why he's like he barely looks like uh, out of his tweens he's in another movie that i was like oh yeah <laughs> <clears throat> what movie is it when i look this up but uh but i mean this last uh, that last episode was so good because of like I also see that uh, that side of the Alzheimer's and ter- I love the way they're using that too. Mm-hmm. Spoiler for people, I guess. Well, no, that's like, yeah. I mean, it takes it takes place between three different timelines. Yeah, one in the past, one in the present, and one in the future. Yeah, basically. I mean, we could talk uh, about what's going on, but let's or, not just give away the big like clues that have happened throughout the season because there are some big ones. True, true. A lot of impact for some so. Characters. But the the old man that Mahershala Ali plays yeah. in our present day, yeah, uh, is a great character and just like a great study, a char- great character study of just like how time affects us in different ways and just and trauma, the sort of and trauma, yeah, like how the evolution of trauma escalates to the point where you either repress it or you confront it in these sort of like very violent ways, which is, I think what true detective is like basically all about. It's this sort of confrontation with the darker nature of yourself in order to like destroy it. So you can find a sense of hope and a sense of peace because Matthew McConaughey's character in the first season is, he's just like a fucking nihilistic ball of depression, you know, like cop, ex FBI, right? He was ex FBI. And then ex narc, Ex-narcotics. Yeah, yeah, ex-undercover um, narc, yeah. And he's just been through the fucking gutter, and he recognizes that. And so that's made him a sort of nihilist. And also because his daughter died, and his fucking, he doesn't have, his wife left him. Um, and that gets revealed, obviously, in like the first two episodes. Yeah. So Very similar but to Mahershala's struggle. Exactly. And that's what I think is the idea, is that like, Again, these guys are floating through this sort of time, this spiral, if you will, of time, mm-hmm. and they have to confront this like darker side of them that they're afraid of, you know, because it means it means recognizing that there's something beyond it, and they don't want to recognize that. There's not to them. There's no light beyond it. It's just all darkness. It's all bleak. It's all fucking <laughs> awful, you know. Yeah, self sabotaging. So, 
Yes, very and self defeating. Mm-hmm. Just like like Matthew McConaughey in the first episodes, he literally says that he thinks uh, the human genome was a mistake or <laughs> evolution was a mistake, basically. God, and he's, he's like, such we a should nihilist, just all, but he's such a great know, nihilist in that season. Right? He's like, we should just all recognize uh, extinction and walk hand in hand together and do oh, it. Yeah. And it's like, and I love Woody Harrelson's dynamic with him because it's. Were you cutting that shit out? Or yeah. <laughs> Stop talking like that. It's Stop so talking fun. all weird and shit. <laughs> Steven Dorff's character is such a, the polar opposite of. Uh, Woody Harrelson's character, it, they're the same, so but so but different. I love Steven Dorff's character. He's so same. he's so endearing, and he's he cares so much about Mahershala. He's, he's, ca- he's very he's fatherly, fatherly, but so. has no kids. Pseudo father. So yeah. I mean, I, I I love that nature between them as well, yeah. and like they play off each other really, like in that really, like in that uh great. that that big scene in the last uh, episode when he's like you dumb motherfucking and he's like what say it like say yes. it. he's like yes. he's oh. like say it he's like I'm not gonna but I'm thinking it I just want you to know I'm thinking it yeah. <laughs> like he's, he's still so being sassy too. he's still being cool like you know <laughs> so sassy yeah no, I I love that part dude it's so great and like more <laughs> went earlier in the season when. Uh, the dad of the deceased is like mm-hmm. he calls him the n-word when he's in the car uh-huh. and <laughs> the guy Stephen Dorch just looks at him and he's like I'm sorry for that I'm sorry he immediately that. breaks down <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry for that man I feel he's so like, bad for the dad <laughs> I feel so bad for the dad uh, oh, <sighs> so terrible so you know ter- the thing is there is definitely a class element to this as well mm. because like think about it all of these victims in both seasons are just like regular working people working class people middle america who are just trying to get by like the middle america literally who are fucking dying out because their jobs mm. are leaving them like take a look at season three for instance as people will as viewers will later see like the town is literally disappearing, and that's yeah. because not only because people are dying, but because jobs are leaving, because the life is leaving, and like people are moving away from that sort of lifestyle. And yeah. I think that moving to desperation, and I think that kind of speaks to the plot and yes. the involvement of the parents. Yes, and that sort of desolation to try and, and remain despair, yeah. intact, that like dynamic that you've always known, but shit's changing around you so fucking rapidly. Like, I love that in season one, you go literally through just so much time uh, in terms of these people's lives. Like, yeah. you start in the fucking 80s and then you work your way to fucking cell phones where, you know, <laughs> this guy's like sending nudes to his chick on the side. And like, and then you work your way beyond that to like the present and stuff. And it's it's just really interesting to see how all of that plays together because... You know, it also creates the elements for them to look into the case further and figure out things that they couldn't have before, Mm -hmm. which is another reason why so many of these, I think so much of this takes place in the 80s and the early uh, years is because like a lot of the, like people weren't concerned about that. They didn't, they couldn't put a face to it. Yeah, they, didn't they were the, doing it like out of the open, stealing kids, fucking. That was rampant back in the day before all this you know, technology was around. They were fucking kids were getting snatched Definitely. up left and right. Exactly. And I think that like they mentioned the hurricane 
um, in the first season, mm-hmm. which uh, devastated, you know, obviously like New Orleans and shit, where Louisiana, where it takes place and stuff in that area in general. And I think that like how many how many sort of like rich, vile people probably took advantage of the fact that there were so many Ugh. missing people. They could, they could not look for them. You know, there's Fuck, no way to like track. No, I, yeah. and, and I, That's scary. I think they mention it sort of, sort of like, it's not meant to be taken that way, but I'm just putting more context to it because I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if people were doing that, you know, because like, if you're that vile of a person that you're already doing that, why not take advantage of a situation? Yeah, I bet natural disasters are just a huge playground for the disgusting and foul people to exactly get in those ways. Ugh, dude, that's disgusting and very alarming. <laughs> what, dude? With LA, t- totally off topic. But when LA gets the earthquake or whatever next natural disaster, dude, I can oh, only imagine yeah. what kind of cretins are gonna come out of the woods <laughs> and. Just reap, ha- wreak Out of havoc. The Beverly Hills. Ugh, dude, it's gonna Out be of the Hollywood it's, Hills. It's gonna be disgusting, dude. LA is gonna be a fucking a wasteland, dude. LA is not prepared. People here are not prepared for any sort of natural disaster. Shit, it yeah. already is a wasteland re- in re- some senses. Oh, it's just dude, like it really is. People are just walking around waiting for it to happen. If anything, I think tr- I think True Detective the second season was in LA. Yeah, it was. Yeah, or like it took place like beyond this city of LA because Vince Vaughn owns a city or some shit, right? He yeah. Likes, it's a, yeah. It's like, like it's like a fake city, city or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's outside of LA or like Malibu or some shit. Yeah. 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 But yeah, what did you like? I mean, what are you liking about season three? I've been talking my head off about both <laughs> of them, but like, what are you, what are you like? Um, what are you noticing in terms of the differences or similarities and stuff? Um, I don't know. I'm liking all the the references to all the cult shit and the just the huge web of a network that's been created and how they sort of. So this is like a big spoiler alert of how they just basically tied it into the first season. I thought that was really fucking cool, and it just makes it feel like this. Any case, like this case, is just more daunting of a task because you know of all the powers that are in your way against solving this one crime as for just a, a simple family like how much despair it's bringing to these people to just just to get to the bottom of what happened to a missing child two missing children one found dead you know like just the network and it just feels so i just i just have this sense like it's so daunting for Mahershala Ali's character the entire time because the police force doesn't want to cooperate with him they just going to they're just dismissive of it Anything, any like quick resolution they find, they're like, oh, case solved. Like, that's it. Like, and you just yeah, know, exactly. like, that that's just a straight cover up for something, too. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm really feeling for, I felt for Matthew McConaughey's character in season one, but I was like, he's, he's such a, such a badass zaddy. You know, you don't really got to feel bad for this guy. He's, he's inflicting <laughs> fake heroin withdrawal wounds and shit. He's got like a fucking, assault pack ready to go. I didn't really feel, but Marshall Ali, you know, he's a Vietnam vet. I really feel for the guy, and he just has such a good pal in Steven Dorff. They're a great team. I just gotta say that. I mean, I, I like. The, really I love the dynamic that Woody Harrelson and um, uh, Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. Had. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matthew McConaughey had, but I really, I'm really digging uh, Steven Dorff and Mahershala Ali. I think that like, um, there's also the sense that like, with the the way that like. Um, 
the cases play out in terms of season one and season three because, mm-hmm. like we said, they're tied together and stuff. Yeah, there's so much more symbology and metaphor mm-hmm. in the first season than this this third season. Oh yeah, and for it kind sure. of plays the third season's kind of playing it safer, like closer to the belt in terms of what they want to show and what they want to express, yeah, which the, I like. Yeah, know, the first season was way more, I felt it was more occultish and just weird, like, mystical yeah, rituals. Yeah. This elusive. one is, this one, yeah, elusive. This one just feels like it's a conglomerate of sick pedophiles who are fucking turning all the levers around this town, you know? Definitely. It feels much more straight, like, fast forward, you know, thriller, and, neo-noir. Yeah. Um, and, you know exactly what you're going to get. And you were ta- you were pointing out how th- how they're kind of uh, using parallels in the show to things that have actually been going on in real life, like the whole fucking Pizzagate triangle symbology and how it's used yeah. in, that, in True Detective. Mambla. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the flight logs, you know, and the call logs, Definitely. Jeffrey Epstein, all that I shit mean, that's going on now. So I was thinking, like, because uh, when people read into True Detective, of course, the immediate thought is that, like, they're they're playing on, you know, conspiracy theories, right? It, the idea is that, like, it's a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Uh, that, like, a wide network of elite politicians and corporations, CEOs, whatever you want to call them, are engaged in this sort of pedophilic, occultist ring and they do it because they ha- they're powerful, you know? So, yeah. like, if that's a conspiracy theory, I think the, the question is whether not whether or not it's a possibility, because we know it could be a possibility. Like, there's no doubt, because... In re- you're you're, you're talking in real-life terms? Or in just... Yes, okay. in real-life terms. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. as uh, True Detective kind of relates it to real life as oh, well. okay, yeah. Because what I'm saying is that when people relate that, they're going to see that in True Detective and be like, oh, like... They're talking about Pizzagate and whatnot. Yeah, you know, which I immediately Pizzagate <laughs> is an immediate conspiracy theory. Right. Uh, the problem is not whether Pizzagate is actually possible; it's whether or not Pizzagate is like probable. If right. like the elements and facts that surround Pizzagate are, is that probability likely to happen and create the sort of atmosphere for? elite politicians and CEOs or whatever to engage in this sort of activity. And I think, yeah, it's highly fucking probable with the amount of money these fucking people make. Yeah. And the fucking shit that people like Jeffrey Epstein has already gotten away with. And I think like these Pizzagate conspiracies and Gamergate and just these gate conspiracies, uh, not to sound like a complete conspiracy theorist, but our bullshit conspiracy theories are just uh, smoke screens for the bigger picture at hand, you know? Like mm-hmm. the fucking Jeffrey Epstein, like logs, flight logs, and fucking him naming it the Lolita Express. Like, what the? Come on. That's like. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's on. It's so on the nose that I think that's why people are willing to look away from it right. because it's it's just like it evades that uh, their I mean, attention. So I mean, there's records because someone like I, I don't know if it was his niece or someone close by, but she was fucking wrangling young girls to basically train them to massage, just to learn how to massage people. But obviously, you know, like that shit leads to other shit with these fucking that, freaky creatures. Or that fucking remember that. 
the story about the actress from fucking Smallville? Yeah, yeah, branding. For, shit like that? She was branding. Her. Branding. Branding. I mean, is True Detective really that far off from this fucking <laughs> shit? Like, come on. Dude. This bitch was branding people. Yeah. Marking them like a goddamn cow, you know? Like, <laughs> right this way, sir. Right this way to your Right to the Lita, Lita Express. Hop on in. And there's a lot of there's a lot of big names that are listed on that flight log too. I mean, dude, fucking Alan Dershowitz, who was named by some of the women who came out, and was yeah, they literally said he was the guy. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking sexually assaulted me. Ugh, I'm just looking at this like Obama, yeah, Obama, Trump. dude. Well, Trump, I, I I looked into it a little bit, and Trump apparently only caught it one time. And that was to leave. It was like Mar-a-Lago or something too. But his flight log, because they were all taking the express to a specific like some remote area, right? I forget exactly where. But the Trump log, like a private island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the the Trump log, for, if I'm remembering correctly, um, was like a flight out of Florida, not not to go to this remote location or whatever too, but. I'm just uh-huh, looking at this uh-huh. this photo about this article, and it's like a photoshopped picture with uh, some just some politicians on here with big heads, and it's just all these gross white men balding with liver spots. Like, of course. ugh, ugh, God. why, dude? Damn, dude? Why? Disgusting. Where do you think? I okay, <laughs> I I get it, I get it. It's a power move. I understand, but why, kids? Why? How do you even get off to that shit? Like that shit is. Fuck! If I ever looked up porn and it said teen, I'm like, nah. I don't. Why do you need to put that in the tag? I don't need to see. You don't need to tell me she's a teen. That doesn't make entice me more to watch this episode. Mm-hmm. And it's just, what is this obsession with kids? It's so fucking foul. I know. It's I so it's so prevalent I, right I now still too. Think it's. I still think it's the active because I did watch the. Uh, um abducted in plain sight oh finally. you finally saw it what do you think and i liked it honestly i thought it was good it was good and huh? i i do understand the the side of like the parents and whether i don't know like this guy obviously was a master manipulator like that's what they called him in the end you know yeah and i think that like from that from that kid's perspective you know it's just like it's so easily manipulable ma- a child, manipulatable yeah. Yeah, or whatever impressionable like so easy it was it, and and i mean parents obviously are easy to do it as well as they showed but no they're not they figure it they're out 100% the thing is some are out, some stupid they, people are <laughs> like those i don't know if it's was, just stupid people though it's like it, it's I, in the end these people wanted like affection and they weren't getting it from each other so this dude could see that, and he was exploiting that. They were getting it from. That. I mean, they had a camaraderie between the sisters. He he separated the sisters because of how close they were. He made them split. Rooms. I'm talking about his parents, the parents. Oh, the parents. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I could see his, how he put the divide in them. Spoiler Definitely. alert: hand job with the um, sisters. Though, I mean, I don't know. Like, I can, I can see that honestly. Like speaking from personal I experience, could, I can, I can see that. I can see this, this. The children, yeah, of course, they're children. They're like you said, impressionable. They're easy to get a hold of. 
<laughs> easy to wrangle up. And that's why I but mean, dude, literally, it's like, just like you let this guy go. You let this know. guy go with your daughter and not come home in a day, and you're like, it's it's fine. We'll call. I'll call somebody tomorrow, and then they don't come back, and then you're like, uh, I don't know, another day. Like you're an idiot. I mean, you're a moron. This dude must have been absolutely. He fucking like, went to Mexico. Incredibly trustworthy. <laughs> or something. I don't know. Like they're just the dumb. I'm sorry. Like they're just middle <laughs> middle America dumb. Like sheltered people who they see don't this, know better. Who see this? Yeah. In a sense, I have sympathy for them because they get this suave, smooth, quick talking guy, and he's like, "Hey, like he's good to your kids." He's a con. He's, he's a, a con man. Too. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's a con man, but. Ugh, those parents, oh, that's why yeah. I feel for them. <laughs> yeah. What, what were we getting at with the abducted in plain sight? Uh, the point was that I was, I was, um, well, well <laughs> we were talking about the Jeffrey Epstein about, call logs, and I was asking, what is this obsession with? Oh, why with, kids? Why and kids? I was just yeah. Saying, like with an abducted in plain sight, if you watch that, you'll understand why kids because they're so easily. To, they're so easy to manipulate. But what is and it? It's like, but what is it that? Can, what is it that gets you off about a child? Just the fact does, that you're I manipulating mean, them and like, yeah. Why? I mean, I think like humans people, are just dude. attracted to humans in general, right? So yeah. it, for someone who's pedophilic, they don't <laughs> care who it is. Who's who's that? There's an author coming out coming uh, coming out with a book about the Vatican. And he spoke to like over three, like over, he spoke to thousands of cardinals mm-hmm. and bishops um, at the Vatican. And basically, talk about an open secret. Oh, dude, talk. Well, the, that's what his book's about. He's basically saying that like a huge majority of the people in the Vatican are, yeah, people in the Vatican are either gay or, uh, you know, have an attraction to kids. And they all are just basically covering their own backs, and like the people who are gay don't want to explore expose the people who are you know molesting children, because it's you know they they all want to be in the good graces of God. Like just let it, yeah. we'll just brush it under our shoulders. You don't rat me out, and I don't rat you out. We all got to just be in this weird temple, and city, and uh, yeah, it's, it should be an interesting book. But it's just like damn, apparently a big population of people are into this shit. It's just it just has to do with suppression. I mean, with the priesthood, with the priesthood, I feel like they can also justify themselves with the idea of like penance and stuff. That's what it is. Going to confession and whatnot, and it's just like, oh God, you know, God will take care of it. Yeah, what the fuck. Like, I'm so sinful. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. sorry. But I'm going to go do it again because it feels so good. Oh, (laughs) Father, can you hear me? Father, can you hear me? damn. That's what they do, dude. That's literally what it is. Oh, God, dude. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucking scary. And then you got fucking R. Kelly over here. Fucking! Apparently, another a video is coming out where it exposes him and his crew acknowledging that they're picking up fifteen-year-olds or some fucking bullshit. Jesus not bullshit, Christ. but I mean, I'm sick of this fucking bullshit with this guy. You know, like how is he not in jail yet? Like, come on, put this guy dude, out, dude. Seriously, lock her. All up. these fucking rich people, man. All these fucking rich people washing each other's hands, patting each other's backs. That's why it's everything like, under the so table. So you see all of this. With all the injustice that is surrounding 
especially people of wealth, you know, people who are wealthy, uh, I don't want to designate them as people of wealth or whatever. It's like yeah. a set. People who are but they're wealthy, just like yeah. fucking these like elitists, you know? Right. And like, you, the, the, how can you not look at that and see all the injustice that's going on and all these people getting off on no charges and shit and, yeah. conti- and allowed to continue to do it throughout their lives? Who knows how long, and not think that there's a vast conspiracy out there. That's a <laughs> yeah. network of these fucking people. Of course, people. yeah. Like they all want to keep each other in power and in play. They all, everyone's already hip to the system and knows how everything's going. So they don't want to get any new people it's up in that plain shit. Sight. Yeah, it's there for you to see. Like I mean, and that's I think that's what's the nature of the conspiracy is that like it could be put in front of you and you still wouldn't believe it or you still wouldn't see it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the a lot of the danger of these sorts of scandals like fucking Pizzagate and this Comet Pizza bullshit because yeah. those obfuscate from the real yeah, theory I- which has legitimacy to it. Like, come on, these people are, are that wealthy with the network of... Why, why wouldn't they do that? I don't know. That's my question. I mean, like, with so many fucking... Pit- people in these positions of power it makes sense that they would want to use that leverage to exploit whoever they can like but why does that make sense i don't understand because power corrupts absolutely like it does when anyone that's why even small time business owners are like the fucking totalitarianist that they are because they love the sort of power that they can exert over a small group of people without this sort of like overarching, uh, you know, watchdog presence that like CEOs or big corporations have to go through, you know? And to them, I think it's just the idea that like, if you've never had power in your life and now you have it. And so you can do whatever you, you can be that. I think that just brings out the maliciousness in people. But do you think like these politicians when they're, I mean, you have to have power to get to the point of ultimate power, right? Like, what? I don't understand. Like, were you, was it where they bullied when they were young, so they feel that they have to know, sort of compas- compensate or maybe for something? It's li- maybe it's just lineage. Maybe it's just like mm, that's what the family huh? has. It literally could be tradition. This country if was built on blood, like, so I can believe that for sure. If we're talking about, like, even to relate it back to True Detective, like, that's again with time time is just like layered upon these things where like this trauma has long-term effects long-reaching effects into the future where its fucking tentacles have grasped and it's not leaving it hasn't gone away if anything mm-hmm. it's just gained more power Ugh, they're just because it's they're harder ways to, take to control down. the power yeah they're incredibly hard to take down like they're if these guys are enlisting idf analysts to you know blackmail uh victims you know like are you kidding me what power do we have as citizens to just like say okay uh (laughs) cease and desist uh, can you please arrest this guy like he's bothering me yeah like he's a he's a director even in fucking our directors dude how where i just i want someone to do a deep dive on where this obsession with children and exploiting them came from because it was like i mean obviously we know slaves and you know people of color work have been exploited for years and years and years and years and they're still they still are being exploited but 
when did when did children come along? And uh, it's so it's under it's like so colonial it's so hush. It, you know, because you gotta obviously, think that colonialists were doing. That. Oh, like, for sure, yeah. yeah. Coming over to this country, Cortez definitely raped some little kids. Some natives. Oh, yeah. I don't doubt it, dude. Like Jesus, Christ. the yeah. fucking stories that are out there in terms of what the Span the Spaniards were doing to like. Uh, indigenous populations within uh, Latin America and then like what the fucking uh, you know British were doing basically when they came Mm -hmm. over here to the natives and like it just it's just this long non-stop lineage of complete barbarism Barbarism. torture suffering despair and like it it just keeps past it's like these people are just put in place to keep that intact. That's it. That's all they've been maintaining their entire lives is that structure of uh, complicity and exploitation. Ugh. That's it. And like, that's how can pe- how can you like be mad at people then when they see that and they're but like, now it's I don't like inner entertainment. <laughs> like, I don't want or like I'd rather not look into that. So I'm gonna watch this fucking binge. I'm gonna binge this Daredevil TV show my entire weekend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh I'm gonna binge watch Marvelous Miss Maisel this weekend. Actually, <laughs> I'm just gonna go through the entire Marvel catalog since they've been canceled. R.I.P. to the <laughs> Netflix Marvel. Gonna miss him. I'm gonna miss Luke Cage. The soundtrack was fucking sick, dude. I was. It's the most hip hop I've ever heard in my entire life. Luke Cage. I, I saw this fucking tweet the other day that just kind of like it brought it all into perspective too. It's so simple too. It's just like this guy was like, name the your top five films of the last uh, twenty years, you know, or so. Yeah. And he names like good films within it, you know. And some guy comments on it, and he's like, "Avengers: Endgame, Avengers, oh, uh, Captain America: Civil War, Captain America: Winter Soldier," <laughs> and it's like, dude, this guy's naming a movie that's not even out yet as one of his top favorites. <laughs> he's just people are just hyped on names hyped. now. So on fucking hyped lists. on names, lists. Who's stacked? Who they're gonna? Oh, who's gonna make a cameo? Who are they gonna premiere? Who's next? It's, What's the next like, segue? People are already are so ready for the next step of things, dude. They're not even enjoying. <laughs> What the fuck is being made and what's available right now, dude? Oh. Or, or they're and that's what makes them distracted. Like, can you blame these people for being so distracted? Then, when no, like dude, you're yeah. trying to scream in their face in terms of like, you need to fucking overthrow your oppressor. You yeah. need to fucking uh, fight for your your work. You know, like, your rights, your personal your rights, yeah, work your personal rights. And then guys are like, I just want to fucking stay home and watch. I'm going to look cage, dude. I don't care. Dude, like, I get enough of that. I'm just going to fucking tweet, man. It's, it's all like, good. Yeah, exactly. And these people are just so desensitized. Do you... Again, and not a only lot that, I just don't think that so they're out I, in the open. And not not only that, but like the news cycle is so fucking repetitive, and you're getting the same fucking watered down news every day in and day out. So of course, people are sick of hearing the same fucking story on the same fucking twenty yeah, channels, definitely. you know. So people uh-huh. are already like already heard that, but it's like no, there are way more issues that you should seriously be looking at, not fucking what 
whatever the fuck is on TV about Trump right now. You know, like some bullshit. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, Jesus. It's a, it's a, it's a, like you said, dude. It's, people put in place to keep these fucking ideals and traditions in order still. And I think even the news cycle is part of that too. Oh now, yeah. The now media it's just, enterprise. Yeah, exactly. Now everyone, I'm just so sick of what's on the news, and I'm sure a lot of people are too. But and. Like you said, it just is discouraging to actually go out and get involved and get you know motivated about something, mm-hmm. or to, just to try and convince those people who feel that way that there is again, it's like we're living in a world of um, Matthew McConaughey's and Mahershala Ali's who are so distracted by this like they they see the forest but for the trees, if that makes sense, you know, like. They are willing to see the big picture, but not their place within it or the little details that mm-hmm. make up the bigger picture. Right. You know, and because of that, they're distracted, and they don't they don't see they don't see what they mean until the last second, until they're on their fucking last lifeline, basically. And I'm like, until it's a big, until it's a crisis. It is. It, I think it is yeah. definitely a crisis. It of is, just yeah. like. A crisis of ideology, too, because we're, as fucking Slavoj Zizek says, like, this was the book that I mentioned in the very first episode. Ideology is a trash can, we're all, and we're all eating from the same trash bin. Like, <laughs> we're just all taking garbage from the same ideology bin and using it to warp to our own fucking subjectivity. And, like, there, if, you don't, if you don't give people a meaning or a sense of hope, like you do with McConaughey, like you do with a Mahershala. If you don't give these people a sense of hope, they are going to just be as nihilistic and as sort of desensitized as they can. They don't, they're not going to see a sort of hope for themselves because, again, this shit is just out in the open. Yeah. And they're, they're I mean, basically that's how, telling you, look what we can do and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, that's where I've been for a little while too and I'm kind of starting to be more motivated now. For a while, I was just fed up and i'm like like you said i just feel like what am i what can i do what am i gonna do because like, definitely the factors that are ahead of me are just so huge to get across mm-hmm. like you just it's just it's just daunting it is and it's daunting and it's fucking like the spiral again to go mm-hmm. back to it like it's like you just you get pushed like a domino into this certain sort of voyage that you have no idea what you're getting into but again it's like that spiral you're just getting closer and closer to the middle to finding out what your sort of purpose is and i mean in hindsight this is kind of like way off topic too but fucking sanders announced Mm -hmm. that he was going to be running uh for president so i mean i think that that is going to give people a lot of a lot of sense of hope because he has already raised more money than fucking Kamala Harris's uh, first day donations in four hours than she did in 24 hours. Wow. Like, that says something about how many people are just wanting to, to um, stop acting as if shit is okay or, like, stop yeah. acting as if, like, shit isn't just crumbling around us and we're not doing anything to do it. It's crumbling. To, like, fast. stop it. Yeah, I mean, I have I have high hopes for Bernie, but that Michael Moore documentary I talked about with you <laughs> <laughs> and how terribly robbed he got, I'm just like, damn, I dude! Know, if they can dude, if they can did. tweak the system like that, when you cl- you clearly go out and you speak to the people in these districts who are like 
totally like I don't fucking want Hillary. Like Bernie Sanders is the shit. Like he's speaking to me, you know, and he exactly. is relating to me. Of course, I want someone like this, not someone who's been around and fucking pushing again the same ideology over and over again, like and getting me nowhere. I'm still fucking living on welfare. And you have all these people rallying around him, and then what the fuck happens? He just flat out gets robbed. Just thieved. See, they like pulled the table from. A, they pulled the fucking carpet from underneath him. It's like, hey, guess what? Nope. Nope. <laughs> and then all his dishes just fall everywhere. And it's just like a, reiterating to the people that, like, we don't as Democrats or as people who think of themselves as sort of progressives, Mm -hmm. that is too much for us. Like we cannot go down that road because it's too, it strays too far from everything that we've hold dear and we've tried to maintain our entire lives. And what's crazy is that they don't understand that they're, they're in the house that's burning. (laughs) Like they are trapped in there as well. You fucking idiot. Like (laughs) you think you're, you're going to be able to escape too. And I think, Maybe they really do think that. Like, maybe they think because of their position of power, they're like, I'll be fine, you know, when the fucking big flood comes and wipes out the world. I'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, and they probably will. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure a lot of them will be, dude, with their level of wealth. True. I don't, that is, I don't doubt that's why they don't really, they're not putting the effort to really shape things in an orderly fashion or what america you know is built on and create an actual democracy it's like they don't care like they're no, they've been set. they've played the game of democracy long enough to where they're comfortably sitting at the top of it and could give two fucks about i mean look at the people who are on supreme the supreme court and all yeah. these high positions of power they're all old fucking dis- old Dude, oh, this, decrepit, decrepit, fucking falling apart. Email. Yes, dude. Yes, they're all. How so, do you search? Like, why are these people? The why are these people in charge of what the fuck the country is on? Like, or just like they're so e- out of these touch. guys speak <laughs> for yeah. everyone. Yeah, these, these people? fucking people. Like, because that's not what looks like. My neighbor just looks nothing like you, and my entire neighborhood looks nothing like you. So, nothing. how do you represent my country? My friends, my family, no, 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 like nobody you. looks like you. Yeah, even the old white people that I know don't look like you. Like what? And like, oh my, it's. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's such a, it's so farcical. Like it's, it's, it's such mm-hmm. a comedy that we've been like written into. And I don't, Ugh. people are just trying to write themselves out, you know, Dude, because they're, Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg looks god. like, oh my God. The fact that they call this woman the notorious RBG is <laughs> so, it, it's so insulting. Honestly, it, it really, really fucking is. is. It is. It's not funny. I mean, it's funny, but it's not also funny. like I guarantee she has had a legacy and she has done a lot of great work. Fucking fifty years ago, like yeah, th- give me a goddamn break, dude. You, was an, point- I was appointed by B- President Bill Clinton and took the oath of office August tenth, nineteen ninety three. So the world was a lot different back then. They're on it for the, are like, they on it for life, right? No, well, when they're on the Supreme you Court, want to step down yourself, or well, of again, course they're not Obama, gonna. Obama asked RBG if she wanted to step down because they knew she was, you know, getting to that age, and maybe they can <laughs> like someone a little younger than her to take her place. And she said no. She said, "You know what? Of course I think not. I, can, I think of I can hold not. out the last 
this next few years. Yes, she's eighty five. And of course, Obama's years old, not going to do anything. Exactly. Yeah. Well, 80... Obama's not going to do anything about it either because, again, she maintains the status quo. And Obama assumed that after him would be another person like him to assume the status quo. And now we get fucking the big wet president. And we're all like, well, fuck. Now we got RBG. Great, dude. The only (laughs) one to save us on the Supreme Court. And as stoked as I am about like Bernie, because he, you know, he's he's gonna be a good candidate, he's still really fucking old. I he is in so much better shape than Trump than a lot of the even fucking he's so much in better shape than like a Biden. That's true. That's true. He's running or around. Even a Ted and sh- Cruz, dude. Ugh. Bernie can actually shoot hoops. <laughs> That's the quote of the episode. Bernie can actually shoot hoops. We should gotta get, <laughs> we gotta get a fucking photo of Bernie Duncan on Ted Cruz. But honestly, I recommend to all our listeners to <laughs> donate. I did today, and like I I don't know. It feels good because like. I know it's based on like like single payer donations. Like this guy doesn't take corporate money. Yeah, he he limits a lot of his donations. Sometimes that's what he did when he came out in 2016. He's and a G, dude. He's a political G. He's gangster, dude. He really, dude. He really is. Just his, it's, his it's, old his old demeanor and his old canter to him. He's just like he's just a people's man. Like that's a people's man. Yeah. Yes, and if people are so willing to get in his way in order to ride him off and again pull the rug from under him like they did mm-hmm. you just got to ask yourself why right why right. what what is it about this earth? man that they're afraid of exactly why on earth would they want to do that why on earth are they so concerned about what this guy is saying and what he's doing and how mm-hmm. he's mobilizing people like why are they concerned about that yeah and, and if you can ask that question then you already know the fucking answer to it. You already know what they're afraid of, you know? Like, Donald Trump came out in his stupid State of the Union uh, address and said, like, we will never be a socialist country, you know? Like, barely fucking read the prompter and sundowning. (laughs) But he is, he's scared. They're all fucking scared of that idea. Yeah, I mean, there's a young... Go ahead, the potential, sorry. yeah, or ju- just the potential that, especially the youth, are bringing to this table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The youth, dude, the youth are fucking sick of it too. Now, I mean, like you have all these Parkland, the Parkland students going around saying like we're exactly. fucking sick of this and we're the fucking future of this country. And like all you people who are, you know, abiding by the status quo right now, better like fucking watch out because we support people like Bernie Sanders and people who are fucking actually looking for our best interests and not the exactly. interests of your pals on the fucking. Same seat you're sitting on, and all these fucking boomers are like, these kids are so fucking soft, dude. You're like, yeah. if a fucking if a school shooter came into my area into my school, I would have fucking tackled him so hard, dude, taking him out. God. And it's like, first of all, you were probably ditching uh, school in the '70s to go find some lost beer keg on the side of the freeway and to smoke a couple doobies with your homies like dude shut the fuck up kids are doing active scooter drill or shooter Shooter drills drills, yeah scooter drills imagine (laughs) all right mount your bird mount your bird class get your scooters out get your bird out and we're gonna come on yeah off this rail dude but no (laughs) seriously like kids are doing active shooter drills it's like that's pretty disturbing to know that like 
kids have to hide under their under their desk I mean, while it's, it's the a, teacher goes to the door to check the windows. Yeah. And they create the noises as if it was an actual school shooter. Like someone will go to the door and like bang on the door and like yeah. try to unlock it and shit. Like kids piss their pants because of that, you know? This you is to, not it's not even even just schools you have to be worried about too. Like you can't of course you can't, yeah, yeah, you can't practice these drills at a mall or at even just a concert, you know? Like now you have to yes. now you have to fucking look out for a concert, like, dude, it's, I, I don't want to say it, but I mean, feel it, it, it even, like, hurts to say it now, and it feels weird, and it just goes back to this hysteria and fear we're living in. Is like, Coachella, dude, that's only a matter of time before something happens oh, there, too. Oh, totally. It's, bro- oh, yeah. it's broadcasted, dude. It's constantly If it happened stream- at a country festival, yeah, why can- wouldn't it happen And, dude, I, ha- I know someone who works there, and he works the, he facilitates the campgrounds, and he says, at, by the end of it, dude, they find all kinds of weapons. He says, like, yeah, like every year there's at least we find, like, a few guns. And I'm like, what do you guys do with them? And he's like, nothing. Like, we just have to confiscate them and turn them in. But he's like, wait, how do you find guns? And he's like, people leave them behind. Like, they just – and, dude, I've been like, – having gone and having just uh-huh. snuck drugs in, you know, they – the minimalist, the, such a small Jesus check they give Christ. you, you know. So something like that. And it sucks that you even have to th- – think that way too like fuck like definitely shit could pop well, like, shit could pop it's, just a big crowd now you're just like shit could pop off right now like what what, I, what, what what am i gonna do at and it's that perpetual state of terror that people also want you to exist in as well and and to like continuously think of and act as if you're engaged in a sort of war or you know yeah, like war scenario but that's the th- and that's the thing too it, it People are willing to accept that idea, but not accept what our foreign policy does to other nations. Right. And not only that, it, to accept the idea that if we think of like terror and people causing terror, a lot of these mass shooters are white people. Like that's a like, that weird a good fucking, majority. Yeah, that's a g- weird thing that's going on. You know, like incels, dude. I, and they might be, dude. <laughs> I don't know. They might be, but I, I just. The fact that people aren't willing to, like, identify this kind of idea that, like, when you make it seem like your entire population is living in a constant state of fear and terror, your media is, surrounds you with it, your television shows, mm-hmm. your movies, yeah. everything makes you feel fearful, even though Fear you cells, live in, yeah. like, one of the most safest countries in the world, you know? Yeah. But because of that idea that they... In, bread in us with our media i think like of course people are gonna fucking think that everybody's their enemy so then they're gonna like lash out in some way you know like it's only bound to happen i think yeah what's bound to happen till we all start killing each other or till or like people are living through a pseudo ptsd like they're people Mm, are made to believe as if they have ptsd so they lash out in these ways that are very violent. And- I mean, look at Chicago, dude. Chicago is essentially like on the brink of that right now, and all-out war. I mean, South Side exactly. Chicago, I, you know, like they're and bu- a lot of that is created through. I mean, of course, like through like infrastructure and systemic issues mm-hmm. that like create a sort of criminality and uh, a knack for criminality too. Because yeah, when you when you cause a population to live in poverty for years, but then fuel them with a sort of uh, media that's incredibly violent. I mean, you're just breeding a person that's like just a volatile person. 
a fucking <laughs> yeah, well, party goer, you know, uh, <laughs> ready tattoo to, wearer. Ready to pop off. Not see, Ready to yeah. pop off at the Drug, single moment's notice. Pill popper, cocaine doer, bottle sipping. Like Matthew McConaughey in that iconic scene, like uh, Mahershala Ali when he's on the track of the case, you know? Like a, all, like someone all who the, gets tattoos at LA Inc., yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the sun only disappears to reappear. Like, That's come on, people. <laughs> Look at the facts. Look at the facts. They're on paper. They're on your back. Look <laughs> at your back. Yeah, yes. yeah, we went a little off the rails there, but I liked it, dude. Um, this was a good uh, episode getting into True Detective and just the structure. That, and the wider it. nature of it. I the mean, wider I, nature of it, yeah, that it reflects. If we're, if we're going to end it, like, just to, as, like, last note, I think, like, True Detective is just one of those TV series that incorporates all this sort of destructive elements that we as a society sort of have inherit, inherited. Um, but... Again, it's about making it out of that into like a sense of hope because I, I think also the Revenant or uh, no, not the Revenant, um, fucking the film with uh, Ethan Hawke that just came out. Um, first reformed. Re- first reformed. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a per- that is such a pertinent example of like how to exist nowadays, even though with this crushing sense of dread that exists over us is like you have to be able to have hope and despair in both hands and hold them and balance them at the same time because we know that shit is fucked up but if we don't have a sense of hope then that is how it's always going to be it's always going to be chaos it's always going to be fear it's always going to be terror it's always going to be something that can't fight back against because it's the way we treat it is like it makes it elusive again or it makes it like this sort of ethereal force that we can't we can't acknowledge believe is real or we don't want to believe it's real we don't believe it's real yeah it's like it is Lovecraftian in that sense because it's that like under the surface thing again Mm -hmm. you know like it exists in front of you right beneath you but your unwillingness to uh, remove that sort of veneer or lens is what uh, is what allows you to exist a very like leisurely lifestyle, even though you know shit is wrong. Like the, mm-hmm. deep down in your bones, you just have this feeling, this sense that this is not the way it's supposed to be. You know? Yeah. And I think that the way that True Detective has played out, especially with the seasons that I've seen, the first and now this third one. Um, I'm just looking forward. I'm really eager to seeing how it plays out, season at least fin- with the third one. Season finale, but Sunday night. Sunday night, everybody. Everybody start watching it, catch up, because you're going to be bummed right you missed now. it right now. But uh, thank you, listeners, for listening to our episode on True Detective. And we got a little off the rails there, but I really enjoyed that episode, dude. I've been wanting to but, talk about that, and it's been a chip on my old shoulder for a long time. Hey, it's been party. You know <laughs> You know, when I came it's into been, this, when I came into this episode, I said, "Hey, let's go to a party." But <laughs> we, you know, I wanted to talk about one conspiracy, two conspiracies, three conspiracies. <laughs> I I wanted one conspiracy, and then I I I fed into it, and then I wanted two conspiracy theories, and then three, and then four. I got a little taste of pizza cake. And I wanted more. Uh, cheese pizza. I had the cheese pizza in my backpack, and I had the. 
I had the extra <laughs> the child ke- pornography. I had, in my I had the pockets. extra ketchup on my hot dogs, and he said, "Hey, Obama, let's go to a party." <laughs> hey, Obama, let's get on plane. <laughs> I was a I was a bit of party kid. I knew everybody. I got on the plane right away. <laughs> they said, "Welcome to Lolita Express," and I said, "Thank you." <laughs> I got in right away. I had the drugs in my pocket, the beer in my back. I got in right away. You know, the the security guards, they knew me immediately. I knew everybody. I knew I I can get away with anything. They said, oh, sir, justice is waiting for you in the plane. And then I said, you know what? The sun's only going to disappear to reappear. (laughs) Hey, did you guys know that? And I wrote that. And I wrote that. Hey, I wrote that. (laughs) Whoa, it's real cool. (laughs) Oh, you're a crazy guy. (laughs) Oh, man, you're crazy. Oh man, kid! The listeners are probably like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" <laughs> They're fucking getting For some all of MK you Ultra know, shit. Trying those to sabotage are lines those. straight from the third season of True Detective. For all of you who don't know, that was Stephen Dorff and Mahershala Ali lines. Little quick banter when they first met. Yeah. They still had their glee. I'm to serious. Them. Watch the first episode. You'll hear all of that directly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, listeners, for listening once again this week. We will be back. Next week and every week for the rest of your lives. For the rest of your goddamn motherfucking lives. For your lives. Go listen to that new mix I threw up on our page. I liked it. Oh, uh, yes. That was actually really fucking good. I've been, I checked it out earlier today. Oh, thanks, six. man. It was really good. Cool. It's a banger, everybody. Go banger. I was going to say something dark, but I won't say and it. And I said, everybody go listen to it and have a party. You're... <laughs> You're gonna listen to it and you're gonna, to you're gonna listen to it and you're gonna look to your friend and you're gonna say, Hey, let's go to a party. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we found that again. Uh this Woo. is Third World Ballers. We will see you guys next week. TWP only disappears to reappear. <laughs> uh, you're gonna want one episode, two episodes, three episodes, four episodes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, we'll see y'all. Peace. Bye.